Go ahead and grab a Bible, turn to Psalm 23. We are, we are in the middle of a series right now that we're calling Living in the Overflow, and we're, we're talking about walking in the goodness of God every day. And today I really want us to find a, kind of focus on verse 3 of Psalm 23, where David describes another aspect of God's goodness, and that is his guidance in our lives. Now I want you to think about this, church. Your life is a series of choices. You could say it like this. Your life is the sum total of your choices. There's a real sense in which we make our choices and our choices make us. I think in a crowd of this size, I think, I think most of us understand that the choices we make are serious, that they have profound implications uh, for our life, not only for us, but for the people around us, people that love us, people that we work with. We know that our decisions are really, really important. And, and, so, and so as we think about this, we, we want to make good decisions, right? As we navigate the journey that is life, uh, do I go to Purdue or IU? right? Uh, do I marry her or not? Do I take this job or not? Do we, do we move as a family to this other state? Do we uh, enter into this business partnership? And so we're, we're confronted almost daily with, with decisions. And I think a lot of Christians really struggle in this whole area of how do I know what is God's will for my life? How do I know when I've heard the voice of God? How do, I, how, do I, how do I receive guidance from the Lord? Because, because we really want to make good decisions, but I think a lot of us really struggle in just the mechanics and just the principles of receiving God's guidance. So let me just see a show of hands this morning. How many of you right now, you're praying about a major decision? You're, you've got to make a major decision and you're praying through that right now. Let me just see a show of hands. Yeah, there's a lot of us right now uh, facing this. Well, I have really good news for you. The word of God says that, that God has promised that he will guide us, that he will lead us uh, in paths of righteousness. And that's what I want us to look at today. And so I'm going to invite you, if you are willing and able, would you please stand as we read the 23rd Psalm together. David writes this, he says, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You may be seated. Now you'll notice in verse three, he, he mentions this aspect of the goodness of God for our lives. He says, he, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, wh what does he mean by that? 
Have you ever kind of pondered what he's, what he's really talking about? That God leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, I think just on a very surface level, just, just kind of jumping in the pool right now, I think what David is really trying to communicate is he's absolutely confident that God is going to guide him through the decisions that he makes in his life. He's, he is absolutely certain of that. He is, he is stating an affirmation or he is, he's communicating the confidence the, that he has that God is going to guide him, that he doesn't have to navigate these decisions alone, that God is with him. Now, it's interesting when you look at that phrase, paths of righteousness, you could easily translate that from the Hebrew, the right path. So paths of righteousness mean the right path. So what he's talking about is God will lead me to the right path because I know that I don't want to go down the wrong path. And God is so good that he's, he is willing to guide me and share himself with me in such a way that I can discern what the right path is. So how do we do that? How do we know the voice of God? How do we know the will of God for our lives? That's what I want to really hit on. Now, let me just kind of throw it out to you this morning. Is, is hearing the voice of God, is that simply a warm, fuzzy feeling that you get in your life? Is that really what it is? Is that how we discern the will of God, that we have a warm, fuzzy feeling uh, within us. We are living, church, in the cultural moment that we're in right now. We're living in a time where our society makes our feelings ultimate. Our society says how you feel is the determinative factor. And, and, so, and so really this, this, this goes back a couple of hundred years to a philosopher named Jacques Rousseau who wrote extensively about this, and he, and he basically makes the case that your feelings are determinative, that they determine your reality, and basically you need to live by them. That's, that's about what he says. So that's why in, in, the, in the society in which we live today, someone can make the statement that says, well, I'm really a woman trapped in a man's body, and that can totally make sense. That's the society that we're living in because I just feel like I'm a woman trapped in a, in a man's body. My feelings trump even reality and biology. And that's the moment that we're living in. And so we see it in so many other areas. I see, I see Christians uh, being influenced by this. We, we've heard people say, well, you know, I know in my heart that this is a good thing. I know in my heart that it's a good thing. Or some of us might say, well, it just feels right just feels right. I, I feel like God would never want me to be unhappy in, in a relationship, so I'm going to go ahead and divorce my wife and leave my kids and go marry someone else because I just feel like that's what I need to do. Some of us might say, well, I prayed about it, this decision, and I had a peace, so I'm going with it. I'm going with it. And the thing that I would really urge us along this path is it's really caution when it comes to our feelings. And the reason why I urge caution when it comes to our feelings is really because your feelings are temporary. Your feelings are unreliable. They're very much unstable. So you can go to a wedding and you can be elated. Uh, you can go to Disney and be thrilled. You can experience the anxiety of a panic attack. And one of the things that we know about our feeling is no emotion can maintain a certain level of intensity. You just can't maintain it. 
So the good news about the fear that you feel in a panic attack is that fear can't last very long. It can't last. You can't live in a perpetual state of panic. And, show, and it's, what it shows us is that our feelings come and go. So we don't want to make our feelings our guide. That would be that would be very much problematic. You can't always trust them. The other thing about your feelings is they often lie to you. Your feelings can lie to you. And so um, Jesus was meeting with the disciples. He was explaining to them that he was getting ready to be arrested, that he would be, um, he would be beaten and he would be crucified and then he would die and be buried and, and then raised. And you remember what Peter said to that. In absolute confidence, Peter looked at him and said, no, let, you know, let this not happen. This cannot happen, Lord. And, uh, and Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. See, he was absolutely confident, Peter was, that that was the wrong path. And so Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And so it reminds me of a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 12, where, where Solomon says this, that there's a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death. So we really have to be careful with, with our feelings and we can't trust them. We, we, they will lie to us and, and they're temporary. But here's, here's another question really about the will of God and the voice of God. Is the voice of God or the will of God a strange sign in our life? Is that how God guides us through kind of signs? Uh, different external confirmations, if you will. You see this uh, happen a lot in scripture where God is guiding different people uh, through different signs. And you remember the story of Gideon. Gideon asked for a sign from God. And so he, he was praying about something and he put a fleece out at night. It was a wet night and he would know that it's the will of God if that fleece was dry the next morning. And then the next night he confirmed it by doing the opposite of that. Now, here's the thing. God used a fleece to guide Gideon, but that's not normative for how he guides us today. We, we have an extreme advantage over Gideon because Gideon really didn't have the Old Testament. He certainly didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have Jesus, but we have we have all of that. And so God doesn't necessarily guide us with signs, but God is God. He can do what he wants if he, if he wants to guide you with a sign. But that's not normally the way that he does it. How about this? Is the voice of God, to hear the voice of God, is there a certain formula that I need to follow? I've, I've, been, I've been asked that. What, can I, can you, Scott, Pastor Scott, can you just give me A, B, and C, what I need to do to hear the voice of God, to know uh, the will of God in my life. And so we oftentimes want to, want to look to formulas where we just kind of mechanically go through the steps so that we can get the right answer that we're looking for. Do you guys remember the magic eight ball? Do you remember that big eight ball? And it's this giant black eight ball and, and uh, you, you shake it up and you ask it a question. And then this little cube appears in the window, gives you an answer. Let me, let, in fact, why don't we just try it this morning? Let me, uh, let me just kind of show you how it works. I'll ask a question, and then the answer will appear up on the screen. How about this? Are you guys ready for this? All right. Will Pastor Scott preach for over an hour today? It is certain. Uh, is, is Alabama the best college football team in the nation? Signs point to yes. 
And then will Republicans and Democrats ever work together? Uh, outlook, not so good, yeah. Some things never change, right? So there you go. Now, is the, is the magic eight ball the approach to guidance? We just shake it up, follow this formula, ask it a question, get an answer. Uh, I don't think so. I, I don't think that is how God guides us. I, I think as we kind of think about this, this warning, we need to kind of understand something that we, we often don't recognize how much our culture is shaping us. We, we, we don't realize how much the ideas of the time are pressing in on our view of God and our understanding of Scripture. For example, this whole question of how do I know the will of God for my life personally is a relatively new question that we've been asking in church history. Like you go back 100 years, they weren't asking this question. You go back 200 years, 500 years, you go back to the early church, they weren't asking that question. That was the farthest question from their mind. They just saw the word of God for them as God's will for them. And so today we live in a society that worships individualism and self-actualization, self-fulfillment and the, and the pursuit of personal happiness. So all of a sudden the question gets shifted a little bit. And so we're really, we're really just looking for ways to experience happiness and prosperity. And so we turn the will of God or the voice of God into an idol. We have to be careful about that because what we what it might reveal is we want guidance, but we don't want the guide. Or it might reveal we want direction, but we don't want the director. I remember when I was in youth group growing up, my youth pastor really emphasized praying about these big decisions in your life that every high schooler and college students kind of praying through. So, so, so it was really presented to us in a way, you need to really pray about your college. You need to pray about what you're majoring in. You, you need to hear the voice of God on these issues. You need to pray about who you're dating. And then you, you really need to pray and hear the voice of God on who you were supposed to marry. And so there was so much emphasis on hearing the voice of God that it was very common for us to kind of be fearful that we're going to miss the will of God for our life in some way. And I don't think that's really the pattern that we see in Scripture for how God, how God guides his people. I think the pattern that we see in Scripture is that God has promised to guide us in our decision making. But the emphasis is on us following him every day. That's where the emphasis is. It's on knowing God and trusting him and worshiping him daily and walking in obedience to him daily. And then the byproduct of that is we really begin to understand the work of God and the will of God into our lives. Now, I'm certainly not saying that God doesn't speak. He does speak to us. He does give us impressions through the Holy Spirit. But we need to focus in the right area and that is on the relationship that we have because guidance will flow out of that relationship. Let me show you a couple of passages that kind of help me explain what I'm saying. Psalm 25, verse 12, the psalmist write, writes this, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. Now, what he's talking about there is a person who fears the Lord. That just means they revere the Lord. They respect God. They, 
They stand in awe of who God is. They, they fear the Lord. And the byproduct of that is that's the person God will instruct in the way that he should choose. That's what he's saying. So if you focus on the relationship, guidance comes. You see this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is a passage of scripture we're familiar with. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now notice where the emphasis is. The emphasis is trusting in God, leaning not in your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledging God, asking God to guide you, which we'll talk about here in just a few few moments. And so there's the emphasis, knowing God, walking with God, and trusting in him every single day. I think a lot of times what we want to do as Christians is we we kind of drift in our relationship with God, and then boom, all of a sudden we're hit with this major decision. And now we're like, well, I'm not really walking closely with God, and I've got to make this decision. So God, just give me the answer, give me the blueprint, and then we'll get, we'll get all that figured out a little bit later. What I want to challenge you to do is follow Jesus now. Worship Jesus now. Obey Jesus now. And then God will show you the way as those, as those uh, choices make their way. So here's what I want to do this morning. As we just kind of just setting it up, I want to just talk about the right path today. You know, David says, he says this, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So I want to talk about the right path. I want to talk about the right conditions for guidance. And then I want to talk about the right goal for guidance today. Now, what's the right path? He leads me in paths of righteousness. Well, let me show you, let me show you another path that we walk in related to God's guidance. And this is Ephesians 2.10. This is from the New Testament. So this is a stronger example of God's guidance of us uh, in our lives. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, again, what he's talking about, he uses this terminology that we should walk in this in this implying a pathway. He's talking about a pathway that we should walk in. Now notice a couple of things about this verse. First and foremost, you are God's workmanship. So what that practically means is this, you are God's work of art. That word workmanship is the Greek word poema, and it it is the word from which we get the word poem from. So what the apostle Paul is saying is you are a a work of, of art. You are God's work of art. You are God's poem. And so he created you unique. He created you with abilities and a talent and talents and a personality and a temperament and passions and experiences. He created you so unique. There's no one else like you in the entire world. So that's the first thing we see. But then secondly, we see not only are we God's workmanship, but but we we are to walk in good works, he says. You're created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. So what he's saying is that there's a path that God has laid out for us since the foundation of the world. And that path is a path of good works. So it's a path that we are to walk in. So, so this, is about, this is about 90% of the will of God for your life right here. This is it. This gets it. We get it answered right here. That we are created to serve God and we're created to serve one another. 
that that's our purpose in life. And so God has designed us and equipped us and shaped us to walk in the path of good works. And so, and so he takes your talents and your abilities and your interests, all of those things, and he can use them for his glory and for the encouragement of other people. What's fascinating about this is God can not only use you know, your gifts and talents and abilities, but he can also use your suffering, your struggles, right? The pain in your life. He can use that to be a blessing to other people. Maybe you've experienced the pain of infertility. Maybe you've had to overcome an addiction of some kind. Church, don't be mistaken about it. God wants to use you to help someone else through that very same struggle. So this is part of the path that God is trying to guide us towards. But see, here's the problem. We don't always want his path. His plan for us is to to serve him and to serve others, but we don't always want his plan. And part of the challenge is we don't want, we don't want to be guided in paths of righteousness. We really just want to be guided in paths of what we think will be paths of happiness. We really just kind of want to do our own thing. And uh, we want God to kind of lead us to the perfect spouse or the perfect job or uh, the perfect career, the perfect college, or the perfect life, or the perfect church, or whatever it is, you know. Um, and really, none of those things exist. And so, it reveals something that our heart is set on the wrong thing. Now, J.I. Packer is a theologian, and he's an author, and he's, he's, written, about, he's written about this. And uh, he writes, and he gives this illustration. He talks about being lost, now, this is before cell phones and GPS, but, but imagine you're lost and you're out in the middle of the country and you kind of stop and you see somebody and you say, hey, I'm trying to get to this place. Can you tell me how to get there? And, uh, and so the guy says, well, yeah, I can, I can tell you how to get there, but it's kind of complicated. Um, let me just give you a map. And so he whips out a sheet of paper and a pencil and he starts giving you this map and your eyes are just kind of looking panic because you're not getting it, you know, even as he's explaining it to you on the map. So he just decides, okay, all right, you're not, you're not following me. Let me just get in the car and I'll just show you, I'll be your guide and I'll take you there myself. Now, what did he do? He didn't give you guidance, did he? He just gave you a guide. He gave you a guide. He gave you himself. And you don't really, you don't know the way, but you know what? You're cool with it because you got the guide with you. And I think that's how we need to be looking at guidance in our relationship with God. If God had given us the map of our life, if he had just laid it out in front of us and said, this is, this is your entire life. This is where I'm going to take you all the way through from start to finish. I think, I think it would be a struggle for us, church. I think we would be confused. I, I think we'd be, I think we'd be uh, upset at it. But what he's done in his goodness is he's not given us the map that lays out our entire life from A to Z. What he's done is he's given us himself to guide us through all of that. And that's what we need is that consistent and constant guide to navigate every fork in the road that we come 
come through in life. And so guidance is really not something that God gives you as much as it is something God does for you. And so that's why there's not a single passage of scripture where I could just lay out a A, B, C, D formula for you to follow to hear hear the voice of God. It, It really flows out of our closeness with him every single day of getting into God's word and spending time alone with him, um, just praying and talking about all of those things. It's, and, and what happens is we become the kind of person that um, is open to guidance. And uh, that's really the question. You know, I, I shared a little bit earlier about my youth pastor just challenging us to, to pray about every decision. And, and so I think, you know, um, I'll get asked, should, should I be doing that? And, uh, and I'll say, absolutely, you should. You need to be praying about every decision that you need to make. You, you need to be, you know, praying about who you're going to marry one day, right? You need to pray about what you're going to major in and what college you're going to go to. You need to be praying about business decisions and all of that. But just know this, that the will of God for you has been revealed in his word right here. And that's where we need to be focusing our time. Now, let me, let me just kind of talk about the right conditions for God's guidance in our life. What are those conditions? Let me give you just three of them real fast. If you want to be you know, guided by God, what are those conditions? I think, I think first and foremost, it really begins with this, that I, that I must put God first in my life. David says this, he says in Psalm 23, verse one, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now what he's saying there is this, the Lord is first in my life. The Lord is my guide. I am a sheep, he is the shepherd, and I'm following his lead. His lead is more important than any other lead in my life. Jesus says it like this in Matthew six, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these other things will be added unto you. And so many times, I think what happens is God's not really first in our lives, so we're struggling to know his will for us. We're struggling to know what he wants us to do. And so we get off track, and uh, we're maybe pursuing other things, other priorities. And this was really Israel's biggest problem in the Old Testament is that they were trying to be like all the other nations around them. They really wanted to fit in with all the other nations. So they really weren't pursuing the will of God as much as they were pursuing just kind of fitting in with the crowd around them. They really weren't set on obeying God and putting God first. They were just really pursuing what they thought would, would make them happy. And so, and so that's where guidance begins, really putting God first. And then secondly, here's what I would say is this, that I must be willing to do what God says. Now, I know this sounds kind of basic, but I must be willing to do what he says. I think, I think if, when you think about conditions for guidance, the number one condition is this, God, I'll go wherever you, you tell me to go. Wherever you lead me, the answer is yes, up front. And that's, that's at the heart of where we need to be. And if our heart is in that place, God will move heaven and earth to show us the path that he wants for us. 
I love the story of, of Samuel in the Old Testament. You can read about this in 1 Samuel 3. Uh, Samuel is a little boy, and uh, actually, I don't know how old he is, but he's a boy, and, and uh, um, he's wanting guidance from God. And, um, but he, has, he had to learn it. And he's, he's being trained by Eli, the priest, and uh, he's, in, he's kind of being trained by him. And one night he's, he's laying down and God speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, here I am. And uh, Samuel was confused. He'd never heard the voice of God before. And so he runs into Eli's room and says, did you call me? And Eli said, no, go back to bed. And it happened again. The Lord spoke to Samuel and said, Samuel, here I am. And, he, and Samuel was confused. So he runs back into Eli's room. Did you call me? And he said, no, 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 go back to bed. And then, and then finally, Eli figured out what was happening. And it happened again. And Samuel runs in there. And this time Eli said, God is trying to speak to you, Samuel. This time what you need to say is, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, What's the principle of that? When you see it in scripture, when you see, speak Lord for your servant hears, what was he really trying to say? He was really just trying to say this, that, that your heart needs to be set on serving God. That's what he's talking about. That, uh, that your heart needs to be in a disposition of, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever God says. You see, the bottom line is this. God's will for you is found in God's word to you. And so God was speaking directly to Samuel and he speaks directly to us, mainly through his word. He speaks directly to us through his word. The more you open up the word of God, church, the more God's gonna speak to you. The more you close it, the more God's mouth is closed in your ears. And so, and so I want to just challenge you to set your heart on doing what God says. Stop looking for a feeling and look for a verse. Now, think about this. Um, if, if, you're not, if you're seeking guidance from God and you're not, really, uh, you're not really walking in obedience to what he's already told you previous, then how in the world... Can you expect him to give you more light if you're not obeying what he's already told you? In other words, why, were you, why are you seeking his voice to do his will in one area of your life when he's revealed another area and you're not walking in obedience? So what you need to do is go back, go back to what he's previously told you, what you know is the will of God, and then do that. And then lastly, I must ask the Holy Spirit to be my guide. I must ask the Holy Spirit to be my guide. Now, what do I mean by that? Do you remember in high school when, when you were uh, in high school, you had what we call high school guidance counselors. I don't know if they call them that anymore today, but you, you had a high school guidance counselor. And what the guidance counselor would do is help you choose classes, make decisions about classes or colleges or a career path. Here's the good news of the gospel. And the good news is this, that you have a guidance counselor for life. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And so you don't just have the word of God. 
but you have the Spirit of God who will speak to you and reveal himself to you. And one of the things, he will never tell you to do something that is against his word. So as you try to navigate hearing God's word and hearing God's voice in your life, he's never gonna tell you to do something that contradicts his word. You know, as you're praying about a career decision that you're making, he's never gonna say, um, you know, I want you to go rob a bank. I want you to start a new career and, and, and a career as a criminal. Why? Because we know that that's wrong. And so he's never gonna tell you something that's going to be against his holy word. Does that make sense? All right, let me, let me close with this. What about the right goal? What is the right goal, the right goal for guidance? And David, David shares it this way. He says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So in other words, it's really for his glory that God leads us to glorify him. That is where God's trying to guide us. He's not trying to guide us to to a comfortable life, to a, you know, uh, a life of wealth and prosperity from the world's perspective. That, that's, ultimately, that's not God's aim. God's aim is to reveal his glory through us. So the end game of guidance always leads for his name's sake. So that my life is lived in such a way so that when other people see me, they bring glory to God. That's the goal. And church, listen to me. When your heart is set on that, he's gonna guide you. He's gonna lead you. And so that's his agenda for you and for me, for all of us here today. You know, as I shared that J.I. Packer illustration about the guide not giving up on the map and just jumping in the car and uh, going and guiding you, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He gave himself. He went all the way. And so the good news of the gospel is this, that he loves you and he died on the cross so that you could have that relationship with him, so that you could know him and walk with him and know the path, the right path that he, he has for you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for how your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. And so God, I just pray that you would help us to see your goodness and your grace. God, you would help us to see that guidance flows out of walking with you daily, worshiping you daily delighting in you daily. And so thank you that you are a God who reveals himself to us. Thank you for being a God who is good in all that you do. And so open our eyes to that, God. And Lord, we just commit ourselves to wherever you lead us, we will go. Whatever you call us to do, Lord, the answer is yes. So Lord, fill us with yourself today. Be our guide.
And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen.